Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. Now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Modulin. Jason, welcome back to the show. Kim, it's great to be with you. You know, Jason, I do enjoy very much uh, the relationship that we have and, of course, the support for the show in trying to further educate the community to what's happening in the oil and gas sector, especially as there's so much changes that are occurring, not just here in Texas, but globally. And it's, a you know, the fact that it's so hard to understand and it's difficult for an average person to really grasp everything that's happening. And so you coming on the show and helping break down things, make it to make it easy for the average listener to understand more about energy is vital. Um, so I just want to say thank you as uh, we wound down this year. This will be our last show until next year. Just wanted to say thank you on behalf of our team, uh, Barry, myself, of course, the, the stations that we're on, and of course, the, the community, the public for helping us understand the very complicated topic of energy. No, we're, we're extremely grateful to those um, stations and, and then for you and your team for uh, really helping to elevate energy education uh, in the state and across the nation. Um, it's so critical uh, that we kind of parse through the headlines and, and really take a look at uh, what are some macro trends, but then also ultimately, how does it affect consumers? How does it affect uh, industry? And um, uh, so it's, it's been a pleasure. Yes, exactly. And we look forward to growing the show in 2023, which we do have some platforms that will be growing. Um, but let's get into the show because I want to start with Texas. Uh, first of all, we have the Texas Railroad Commission, um, who is basically the regulatory body for uh, most oil and gas related things here in Texas. In Texas, it's, it, it's an energy state. But Recently, Christy Craddock was named as the chairman of the Railroad Commission unanimously and um, in, in an open meeting. I wanted to just cover that because I know that the relationship that the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has with the Railroad Commission is an important one. You guys, uh, your membership uh, is a lobbying group that your members really need the um, mid are the more independent operators voice for this uh, agency to understand when they're making or suggesting laws that are going to affect the oil and gas sector, how important that relationship is. But uh, Commissioner Craddock also has been a longtime commissioner, uh, very, very well uh, informed on energy. And I just wanted to get your opinion on uh, the chairmanship uh, and, and her election to it. I think this is what her second or third time being the uh, chairman of the Railroad Commission. Um, and yeah, she, she has been uh, uh, chairman a number of times uh, at the commission and uh, we're excited to have her back in the chair, but but also to say a very special thank you to uh, Commissioner Christian. He uh, did a phenomenal job. I, I believe this was his second time as well uh, in the chair and, and really has been 
at the forefront of a lot of important discussions um, occurring in the state over the last year uh, on, on a variety of different issues. And he really brings uh, a great perspective uh, and, and certainly a life experience that uh, we, we appreciate greatly, uh, really focused on the bottom line, on cost to consumers, um, and then that business sense of, of how um, harmful uh, the state can be uh, when it when it wields regulatory powers, how really the goal is on compliance and making sure that uh, uh, we protect not only reservoirs, but but also uh, the environment and, and neighbors next to oil and gas operations. And so Wayne, uh, excuse me, Commissioner Christian has really done a, a phenomenal job as chairman. Uh, we're excited to have Commissioner Craddock back in the chair. Um, she does uh, a phenomenal job during the legislative session of really talking uh, both to legislators and to staff about the importance of that agency. Um, uh, you mentioned the, the legislative session. Uh, as they roll into that, there'll be critical priorities that uh, the commission is focused on. And certainly the operator community, the, uh, the advocates for oil and gas in the state, uh, we'll be focused on similar issues, making sure that we have an efficient agency. Uh, um, that's critically important, uh, that they're well-funded, that they have uh, the inspectors that they need to do their job. Um, because ultimately, we need a robust state regulatory body. Um, that's what gets buy-in from the state of Texas and, and people in Texas, uh, but then also stops uh, uh, federal government from uh looking like they need to come in and step into the shoes of state regulators and so uh really um since commissioner craddock has been on the commission and, and now with our our additions of commissioner christian and then commissioner wright they're really all three do, doing a phenomenal job over there i couldn't agree with you more and that's why this topic is important is you know, there's a listener that's saying, what the heck does the Railroad Commission have to do with energy? And, and that's a long story in itself. But just to clarify, the Railroad Commission agency is the regulatory body that governs all oil and gas here in Texas. And I couldn't agree with you more. I Jason. think some of that's a misnomer, Kim. Now, maybe there is a listener out there, but uh, we all rely on Google these days. If you type in Railroad Commission, I mean, it, it, it clearly tells you exactly what the Railroad Commission does. Uh, it is unique. There's no question about that, uh, given its longevity, given its um, uh, regulatory kind of prowess over uh, its hundred and uh, some year lifespan uh, now. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it is a well-known commodity um, in the oil and gas space and globally around the world. Uh, they look to Texas uh, as a model. Um, and it's really phenomenal that we have three statewide elected officials over such a critical, um, important industry, um, not only for the state, but, but for the world. Exactly. And all three of them have such great strengths that are different from each other that really make this uh, trio, if you will, trio, uh, a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good thing here for Texas. Let's. I want to stay on the topic of the Texas Railroad Commission because it, you know years back there was a lot of discussion on earthquake seismicity 
Uh, and were these injection wells causing tremors, if you will, or uh, possible earthquakes uh, and, and, and causing these issues? And recently, uh, following up on a 5.4 magnitude earthquake that happened back in November 16th in Reeves County, the Railroad Commission is now implementing several revisions on seismicity reduction in a response plan. Um, this has been an ongoing discussion uh, and a lot of people um, are looking forward to seeing some revision here. Can you give us an update on, on what specifically is happening uh, with this, what is it, seismicity response area? What is their, what are they designed to do and what are they looking at specifically in this area since we had this 5.4 magnitude earthquake that happened back in November? Absolutely. Well, first of all, um, uh, really compliments to the Texas legislature. They they jumped out in 2014 and then in 2015 to say that we need uh, greater resources in terms of how we identify where these seismic events are occurring. Um, uh, the U.S. Geologic Service um, has seismometers across the nation, but but they're very uh, sparse. Um, and Texas really committed in 2015 that we were going to blanket the state with seismometers to really help uh, pinpoint where events occur in the state and then give that information, that guidance, uh, not only to uh, academics at, at the UT Bureau of Economic Geology to help continue to refine the understanding of the subsurface, uh, but also to the regulator. And the regulator in this case is the Railroad Commission. And the Railroad Commission ha has been uh, very active, uh, not only in terms of uh, underground injection control, uh, but also in terms of, of uh, communicating to the public um, uh, what is taking place, uh, how they are responding, how they are limiting operators' uh, uh, use of, of that subsurface. And so we have uh, currently on the Railroad Commission's website, a seismicity response, um, and they've identified areas in the state called seismic response areas where uh, they reduce the amount of uh, uh, water that's injected back down hole. This is uh, produced water that comes out of the ground when you produce a barrel of oil. You get uh, uh, several barrels of water as well. Um, there's not many good uses for that. And so typically it goes back down whole. Um, uh, and so there's been a very smart response from the Railroad Commission really targeting the areas of the state, uh, particularly when it's new areas of production like the Delaware, like the Barnett 10 years ago, uh, where you start to see uh, uh, some impacts on the subsurface. Very good. I'm glad you broke it down because I was going to ask you, please explain what and what's causing this. But when we get back from break, I want to switch gears and I want to uh, talk a little bit about energy around the world and, of course, good old China. Uh, but we have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, 
you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium plus you can earn double dividends that'll go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, in D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Jason, we we, we covered uh, some things that are happening here in Texas, uh, but we're not quite done with them. Uh, done with Texas. I want to come back later on in the show and talk about what we might see as session opens in 2023 here in Texas. But I want to switch gears and talk about China. Um, we already have a situation occurring where there is already pressure being placed on uh, global demand for uh, oil and gas. China natural, China's natural gas import is set for a 7% increase next year as their country reopens from COVID lockdowns. And uh, obviously we already have a tight global supply situation. With them opening up, this came out in a report by Bloomberg that uh, the LNG, which is specifically what they China needs, is going to look, is going to be harder to find going into next year because China's reopening, and we already have very low inventories. the The rate is also depleting at a faster rate because of the cold weather, and it's pushing higher consumptions. So for the exporting and and having to find supplies to go to um, uh, China, and then also looking at the supply chain issues with Asia also, Central Asia is on a decline as well. Um, how do you see we are going, they are going to meet this demand since they're already looking for LNG for next year. They're way ahead of schedule trying to find it to keep uh, ahead of the game. But do you see who's going to supply this and, and how much of, uh, of North America and our seaports do you see that will be able to satisfy China's needs as well. How does this going to affect the supply chain issue too and pricing? Well, there's a lot wrapped up in that question. Uh, uh, certainly, it is good to see uh, China uh, uh, hopefully on the rebound. Uh, you, you hate to see these COVID protests and and, and some of the more shocking uh, examples where the, they're um, uh, sealing people in their apartments and things of that nature. Um, they, they're obviously a global player, and once they rebound, uh, they will be a very large consumer of all things, um, and, and right. LNG is going to be a big part of that. Um, they are directly competing with the Europeans, though, that um, uh, have have 
no longer taking Russian gas, uh, whether they've dismantled pipelines or, or, or simply are no longer going to import that gas. And so um, Europe has has been a, a very strong uh, purchaser of LNG. Uh, many times it's been resold from China um, that was uh, had those um, trains under contract and, and was able to divert those ships to Europe. To really help Europe uh, uh, shore up some stockpiles, um, uh, the United States certainly could be able uh, to increase our gas production and meet some of that need. Uh, we have some challenges, though. Uh, most of our export facilities are maxed out. Um, uh, I, I think the the one caveat to that would be that the Freeport um, LNG export terminal is not up and running again after. Um, uh, a, a fire that occurred several months ago, um, for for whatever reason, um, that has been a very slow process to come back online. Um, you, you really would hope that the federal government would be far more active in trying to secure that national security uh, asset and, and, and bring it back online quicker um, than than uh, what we're currently seeing. But that's those are the opportunities. Uh, if we can expand export facilities, if we can lay more pipelines to both coasts, uh, uh, not only the East Coast, but also the West Coast, um, helping uh, to provide more terminals so that ships have places to dock that then they can get overseas uh, to sell this product. That's that's really the opportunity we see. Um, certainly, there is some new investment uh, in the North Sea, um, the North Sea has long been Europe's uh, natural gas play and, and really uh, is a phenomenal natural gas resource. Um, but due to uh, ESG pressures and other types of uh, uh, efforts that have tried to defund oil and gas, uh, it, it's resulted in a pretty considerable decline in investments into oil and gas. And, and we see that globally, uh, but also here in the United States that there's been really uh, negative impacts that um, don't shut down oil and gas. They don't shut down oil and gas demand. Uh, what they do is they raise the cost for consumers. Um, and so ultimately, people are paying more um, for unreliable energy um, and, and, and really um, skyrocketing cost. Well, you know, Jason, we did interview Phyllis, who is the CEO of uh, Freeport. And she was talking about um, Freeport LNG and them being offline. But you also mentioned that, you know, the slow walking potentially of the Biden administration on this, as well as, you know, the importance if we make, if we make a statement publicly that we are here to help our allies um, and we are helped to, here to help provide and fill the gap from Russia being taken offline as a result of their invasion with Ukraine. And, um, and we have to find this liquefied natural gas to be able to supply to countries like you mentioned Europe, as well as China. Um, and yet these facilities, I mean, when I look at it, I'm like, I know that, uh, you know, the port, Corpus Christi has Chenier, they have two trains, three trains are getting ready to, to start. Um, and then you have your Freeport LNG. There's a lot of um, permits that are out there to try to bring in more LNG. And I'm just, you know, sitting here thinking, you know, we have the potential here in the United States to, to really fast walk these potential new uh, opportunities to provide more uh, liquefied natural gas to our allies in the world. Um, and it just seems like um, it's like you mentioned, a slow walk to get us there. 
uh, and people are paying a higher price. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we get back, I want to switch gears and talk about what's happening in Washington, D.C. There's some movement there as well with um, Joe Manchin's bill that uh, I'm going to have you explain what happened. It's up for a vote again of why it didn't pass the first time. We all remember that there was a lot of discussion with Joe Manchin, uh, Senator Joe Manchin, excuse me, Manchin on um, potentially trying to get some reform done when it came down to pipelines. Uh, and that did not go through. So we're going to revisit that whole conversation. We've got to take a quick break. You're listening to Individual Patch Radio Show. And we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com that's s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com slash business profile start dealing with a company you can trust and always find You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Uh, Jason, there is a vote that is scheduled to happen soon uh, involving Senator Joe Manchin. Um, but before we start talking about what we can expect out of this vote, I want to back up for our listeners and I want you to tell us about the Inflation Reduction Act and how Joe Manchin fits in to some negotiations that were happening in Washington, D.C. before we get into the vote that's scheduled to happen. So explain, sure. remind us all what was going on. Yeah, in, so in you DC remember last year, Manchin. the president had Build Back Better, which was this very large uh, uh, piece of legislation, uh, was going to be the largest green initiative, had several tax uh, increases in there and uh, uh, funding for the IRS. Um, uh, Senator Manchin killed that bill uh, last Christmas um, uh, to to lots of acclaim around the around the country. But um, he and a bunch of other senators kept negotiating, and ultimately uh, the negotiation was between Senator Manchin of West Virginia and Senator Schumer, uh, who is the the majority leader in the Senate out of New York. Um, and, and, and what they ultimately um, uh, discussed and arranged was for the Inflation Reduction Act. And the Inflation Reduction Act, very similar to Build Back Better, but scaled back uh, in a few different places. Uh, it still, unfortunately, did have a methane tax in it that we were opposed to. Uh, it had some good things. Uh, Senator Manchin very much was trying to make sure that um, the federal government uh, 
abides by the law and and does regular federal leasing and federal permitting um, on on federal lands. Uh, so so those were good things. Um, but it left out permitting reform. And, and ultimately, the negotiation centered on if Senator Manchin will allow Inflation Reduction Act to move forward, um, Senator Schumer would agree to hold a vote on permitting reform in this Congress. Um, they tried to do that several weeks ago. Uh, Senator Manchin had run up against a wall of uh, House progressives that want to stop uh, permitting reform. They want to stop any type of oil and gas permitting. And then, uh, frankly, uh, Republicans in both the House and the Senate that uh, have seen the election results. They know that Republicans will be in the majority in the House next Congress. Uh, they know that this is a priority uh, for um, Senator Schumer, for Senator Manchin, uh, but also for the president. Uh, on the last segment, we were just talking about LNG. The president has made commitments to Europe, made commitments to uh, um, uh, England that, that uh, we are going to meet their LNG demands. Um, that cannot occur unless we start building more things, uh, building export facilities, uh, building pipelines. A and then for advocates of wind and solar, that those types of uh, energies cannot expand at the rate they need to without more transmission lines. Um, and unfortunately today, uh, it is nearly impossible to build a new transmission line. There's just too many federal hoops to jump through. And so uh, the essence of, uh, of the permitting reform is to put clear and concise timelines on how long it will take to process a permit through the federal government. Yes, there are lots of things to consider, um, uh, environmental reviews, uh, whether you interact with any of the tribal communities, um, uh, if there's any endangered species uh, through the path. Those are all important things that companies certainly want to be mindful of and address, um, but there needs to be kind of a clear uh, this is going to take two years, this is going to take four years, this is going to take six years. If you have a permit, it, Keystone XL Pipeline, for example, they've been working on that for 10 years. I mean, how is that uh, remotely able to attract capital investment to this country uh, in order to build the things we need to build? Yep. And the, and the sad fact is because of so much red tape and bureaucracy, uh, I think Keystone Pipeline is dead indefinitely now. Uh, and that's a shame, and this is where the reform would be important. When we get back from break, I want to talk about specifically the bill The bill that is scheduled to go to vote. Is it going to pass or not? You're listening to a new Old Pets Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study.
And we're back. You're listening to on the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Jason, uh, thank you for reminding us of how the Build Back Better bill rolled into the Inflation Reduction Act and how Senator Manchin was vital in trying to take on a topic as a Democrat that's vital for both parties, and that is infrastructure uh, problems, if you will. You reminded us of the uh, uh, Keystone Pipeline uh, that was taken offline uh, from this administration, the Biden administration, his first day in office by killing it with an executive order. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the Keystone Pipeline is ever going to come back on uh, line. And so it's kind of important to try to, as you said, to try to put some timelines on how long will it take regulation to get through for transmission line, pipelines, whatever it may be, because it's important. Um, So Senator Manchin now is trying to uh, bring uh, a bill forward to overhaul permitting, and uh, that is scheduled to go for a hearing. I'm sure that the environmentalists, their heads are exploding, uh, if you will. But tell me, what do you think the likelihood of this is going to go through? Will he have the support from Democrats and Republicans? What, what's he going to look at? What and, and the bill, is it the same as the previous one or is it something different? Yeah, it largely is. Uh, um, there's some some timeline shortening. There's some uh, expedited processes there. Um, it also uh, identifies a couple key projects around the country. Uh, one of which is the the Mountain Valley Pipeline um, in West Virginia. Um, he is trying to amend this uh, uh, his bill onto the Defense uh, Authorization Act, and so this is how our 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 uh, military, our armed forces are paid uh, each year, how we execute contracts on um, uh, arms and helicopters and tanks and planes and, uh, you know, all the things uh, we need uh, to protect our national security. Uh, There's a nice uh, synergy, if you will, uh, with focusing on energy as part of that. Certainly uh, our energy assets in this country um, are a national sec- security priority. Uh, they've been a, a vital asset for us uh, for a very long time and really helped us uh, to, to get away from uh, some of these uh, uh, foreign excursions uh, into in countries around the world to protect those energy assets. And so um, uh, domestic energy is, is certainly a national security issue. Um, uh, unfortunately, I, I think he, he will be unsuccessful uh, once again. Um, uh, there is a kind of unified opposition amongst uh, House progressives uh, who do not want to see any oil and gas um uh permitting reform um and then you you also have a number of republicans uh in the senate and in the house uh that are willing to wait um uh not wait long hopefully uh hopefully they will move very quickly in january uh to move their own bill um but are willing to wait for the next congress when uh republicans will have a majority in the house okay well Hopefully uh, it gets passed either way, whether it's now or in the new Congress. I, I will say this, something has to be passed or our energy situation 
our potential energy crisis that we're coming to is just going to continue to get worse. Jason, let's switch gears. Have we found the world's solution for our energy needs? So the Department of Energy has announced that scientists have achieved a breakthrough in research on, uh, on nuclear fusion, which is going to bring them one step closer to possibly changing the future for clean energy. Explain to me, have we found the world's solution in energy? Uh, is nuclear fusion the answer? Uh, well, it's certainly exciting. Um, uh, and any technology breakthrough uh, is really neat to see. Uh, I think the Wall Street Journal had a, had a really good breakdown of, um, yes, this is uh, a, a big news. At the same time, uh, this is fairly basic research that then will take quite a while uh, to be commercialized. Um, uh, the the sheer amount of energy that goes into those lasers uh, to then be able to combine two hydrogen atoms. Um, uh, while they did show uh, kind of a net benefit in energy, um, uh, th these aren't uh, being downsized and put into cars or put into homes um, anytime soon. Um, but it is exciting. And it's exciting to see that uh, America can still uh, hit some pretty big breakthroughs. Um, and, uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm not a naysayer there. I'm, I'm always excited to see space or, or uh, uh, breakthroughs in, in nuclear science. Uh, it, it's pretty cool to see opportunities. You know, one of the things that I think um, has always, I've always wondered about is how come there's not uh, a lot more discussion on nuclear as a whole. It's actually one of the only, or one, I think it is the only green energy source we have. Do you think it's that when people hear nuclear just as a whole, they completely freak out and think of yes. uh, Chernobyl. <laughs> yes, they, they freak Fukushima. out. Uh, um, they, they, uh, you know, you remember um, uh, several years ago when Japan uh, had a tidal wave and that hit uh, uh, one of their facilities there. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's a zero emission energy source. Yes, uh, it does result in nuclear waste, um, that nuclear waste, um, uh, all of the nuclear waste that has been generated uh, over the past 60 years uh, could fit on a football field. Um, that, that's, that's how much we're talking about. Um, it is not uh, a great deal of waste, um, uh, unlike what we see when they're mining for cobalt and other types of uranium and uh, lithium, uh, when you've got these tailings that just go on forever and ever. Um, and so, uh, but yes, there is a... Um, uh, just a bizarre um, uh, aversion to uh, utilizing nuclear waste or nu nuclear power, excuse me. Nuclear, nuclear power, yes. And, 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 it, and it could be because that's the solution and that would be too easy for <laughs> the world and elected officials to look at. Provide but, too much power. Yep, yeah, that, that was one of the yeah. concerns from early days in California is that, uh, uh oh, this will provide too much power. Right. Well, one of our past guests, Michael Schellenberger, is a huge fan of um, of nuclear, and he writes about it a lot. Uh, our listeners should follow him, and it makes a lot of sense. Jason, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to close out this show with what can we expect from our legislators here in, uh, in Texas? You know, they meet every two years. What's on the table, and how will it affect 
energy, what is your group looking at and how important is it going to be this session pertaining to oil and gas? You're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Uh, Jason, every two years, Texas legislators meet in session to pass bills for the state that are every two years. So in my mind, this is a pretty important uh, thing that happens every two years. Um, and so since we don't meet every year and it's ongoing like other states, it's important to pay attention to what's happening at, Cap at the Texas Capitol. This 88th session is, is no different than the other 87. Um, and we have great railroad commissioners in place uh, to speak on behalf of the oil and gas sector, uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show. but like any session, there is always um, things to think about, um, uh, things that will affect how the state uh, deals with oil and gas um, and regulations that are gonna change uh, ever so slightly or a lot in the state. And so what, a, you know, you guys are the lobbying firm or educational firm, if you will, that focuses on helping elected officials understand the needs of especially independent and large operators, oil, oil and gas operators. Um, and what is on your radar for this session? I know you, you're always down there, you and your team, you're, you are um, interviewing, not interviewing, you're test, testifying to our elected officials about the importance of, consider the bills that they're gonna pass. Um, and that's important because these elected officials come from all walks of life. What do they know about energy and how it's gonna impact the state? But once that bill is passed, it's too late. It's, you know, the train has left the station. So what you guys do is critical. What are what is it that we need to keep an eye on? What is it that's keeping what what is it that you are looking at? And is there any specific pieces of legislation that is keeping you up at night? Sure. Well, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. We testify. Um, I, I think last time around, it was about 13 times uh, registered on, on several dozen bills or either support or opposition. Uh, we tracked about 300 bills through the session um, and then uh, uh, hundreds, may, maybe a thousand uh, interactions with offices. Uh, visiting on those pieces of legislation, going to visit with staff, uh, and really uh, being a constant presence in the Capitol, uh, which is so critical. Uh, it, it's it's a nice time to be in oil and gas uh, going into a session when they're experiencing a record budget surplus, uh, due in large part um, because of the oil and gas sector. The amount I was going to say, hang on, explain that. <laughs> yeah, sure. So exactly. the amount of severance tax revenues. Uh, have been uh, astronomical, um, uh, due in large part because of, of high oil and gas prices, but also because of Texas ramping back up to pre-COVID production levels uh, quicker than anywhere else in the nation and, and frankly, in the world. Um, and so we've been able to uh, capitalize on those high prices 
Um, and that's been a very good thing for mineral owners in the state, uh, uh, many of which are, are uh, Texas agencies, um, but then also uh, tax coffers, uh, so the high taxes paid in uh, to the comptroller's office. They are sitting on a $27 billion surplus. And then we've frequently talked over the years about the Economic Stabilization Fund. This is an account that um, they put severance tax dollars into. Um, and it is currently at $14 billion. Um, and if they do nothing this session, uh, it's project projected to close out over the next two years at $18 billion. Uh, just an incredible wow. amount of money. Um, they, they will not spend all of that. Um, uh, they have uh, a number of constitutional spending limits in place uh, that will limit them from, from spending um, all of the money. Um, but what I would suspect is that we're going to have a number of ballot propositions next November on how they're going to distribute some of that money. Um, and that could come in the form of property tax relief. It could come in sales tax relief or, or maybe a, a small a dividend, if you will, on our electric bills. Um, they're going to try to find ways to push it back out to taxpayers um, because uh, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Libertarian, uh, it makes no sense for the government to be sitting on large uh, piles of money uh, when it can be out in the economy and, and stimulating growth. We were really excited to see both the House and Senate uh, look at interim charges to grow oil and gas production in the state of Texas. Uh, um, uh, talking to colleagues that are in New Mexico or in California or elsewhere where they're trying to shut down oil and gas, it's really refreshing to be here in Texas and, and always trying to think about ways to grow production. We think that uh, there are opportunities to do that, uh, not only in, in attracting uh, drilling rigs and pipeline investment into the state, uh, but also at looking at our lower producing wells and seeing if there's ways uh, that we can incentivize uh, re-stimulating those wells, bringing them back into a higher level of production. Um, that means uh, uh, more tax revenue coming to the state. It also means uh, more barrels of oil coming out of, of uh, South Texas and East Texas and other parts of the state uh, that aren't quite experiencing the boom that is happening in the Permian Basin. Um, we're also going to be uh, playing some defense. We know that there are advocates at the Capitol that are opposed to oil and gas uh, and frequently try to get bills introduced that uh, would make it costlier to operate in the state of Texas or may, in fact, limit uh, ways to complete a well. Um, uh, and so those types of, of, of bills, uh, we stay vigilant and, and work to stop. Uh, at the Capitol by simply uh, educating lawmakers on their impacts. And uh, when you're sitting on a $27 billion surplus, it, 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 it helps our argument pretty considerably because um, they're going to use that for education. They're going to use it for roads. They're going to use it for healthcare um, priorities that cut across party lines. Um, and so it's, it, it's nice to be working for oil and gas producers um, uh, going into a session where they've got a budget surplus. And, you know, Jason, I'm glad you brought that up because prior to uh, this job that I'm doing, um, I learned a lot about um, how uh, how the capital works, how we pass bills here in Texas. And it's a very eye opening experience to understand that the first thing that our, you know, what 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 our legislators must grapple with is that they have to balance the budget before they can push any um, any 
other uh, pieces of legislation through. And that's great and that's important. However, then there's also what happens if the state falls short of being able to uh, to do that process. This wonderful fund, you know, the Texas Rainy Day Fund, the uh, Stabilization Fund, is, is what's looked at. And I remember a session that uh, we did fall short and um, it was a mess, that the state was in a mess. They were uh, laying off teachers. Uh, they had a hold on hiring police officers, um, firemen, uh, paramedics. I mean, when we don't balance our budget, bad things happen in this state. And this fund is so important to look at and, and realize that like it or not, this is basically our piggy bank that makes sure that the state stays really well funded and also that everything is operating because you don't want to see a 10 or 20 percent budget cut across the state on all of these social programs like we did that session because it causes a train wreck for everybody so i wanted you know to say how important this fund is and how important oil and gas and continuing to be robust in this area is important to the state as a whole whether you are a supporter of oil and gas or not well jason that is all the time we have for this show i look forward to having you back in 2023. Thank you for talking to us about all things energy. It's an important topic and getting us prepared for what we can expect in the 88th Texas legislation as it opens in 2023. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.